This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Wednesday, July 1st. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. The Coronavirus Resource Center at Johns Hopkins University has become the gold standard for tracking COVID-19 cases and deaths. They help provide near real-time data on how coronavirus is spreading across the world in an environment where case counts are consistently inconsistent. Kyle Swenson, reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for more. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. As we've been tracking the coronavirus pandemic throughout the world and here in the United States, one of the most important tools that we've been using is coming from Johns Hopkins University and their coronavirus dashboard, which really has numbers of the cases and deaths throughout the world, throughout the United States. I mean, it has really become the premier source to find those numbers. I think more people probably go there than they do to the CDC's webpage. You see it like on CNN and other news sources. They go straight to Johns Hopkins numbers. But it's a pretty interesting story how this whole thing got started, how it evolved to what it is. Kyle, tell us a little bit about it. So really, it started as a student project. In late January, a first-year PhD student at Johns Hopkins, who happens to be from China, his name's Enshin Dong, he had been talking to family members and friends back in China. He knew about the virus that was spreading from Wuhan. And at the same time, at Johns Hopkins, his program he was in was all about modeling diseases and using computers and data to kind of see their pattern. And so one day, he was having coffee with his advisor, Dr. Lauren Gardner, And together, they came up with the idea of making a a dashboard that would track these cases. And again, this was in January, late January. So, you know, at that time, the virus didn't really have the global spread. It had yet to really kind of explode in the United States. So when they sat down, they thought that this would be a real small scale project, something that other researchers would possibly look into. But they didn't conceptualize it as something that would all of a sudden be the gold standard for the world, really, in tracking the spread. I love the way you put it in the article. Case counts are consistently inconsistent. And that's something that they struggled with throughout the whole project, really. And when it first started, 
it was very crowdsourced. They would be getting numbers of people uh, posting stuff online and going through Twitter. That's how they'd be getting a lot of the numbers. This was before governments really started posting numbers that they were gathering. So they started out that way. And then beyond that, they soon found out all of the inconsistencies because, and we've done, we've talked about in the podcast before, it varies from country to country, state to state, county to county, people counting probable cases of COVID. I mean, it just gets right. pretty unruly. They knew going in that infectious disease information like this was really spotty. There really is both internationally and also within the United States, there's no uniform way this data is compiled and presented to the public. So as you mentioned, you know, at first they're just going through Twitter accounts, they're going to uh, media reports. It was real grass work effort, a real grass works work effort at the beginning, just trying to get good sources for the data. And then actually as countries and as the United States and states and counties within the states began reporting data, it became even more difficult, I think, for them because there was so much inconsistency there. And they knew that going in. To their credit, they were always open and honest about that and that those difficulties, but they really leaned into the mission, I think. And kind of the beautiful thing about the Johns Hopkins project is it starts with a student, his advisor, and really all these other people from across the campus began saying like, oh, well, hey, I could help with this, or we could add a feature that looks at census data or or hospital capacity in the counties. So a lot of these experts who had never known each other, right, had never worked before together, began jumping on this project. And of course, by this time, really, everyone's sequestered at home on lockdown because of the virus. And so they're coordinating this through Zoom calls and emails, and it kind of beautifully came together. But that's the great struggle with data. And I know we've all been in this situation where we've all been scared. You know, what the heck is actually going on here with this virus in my community? Do I need to be worried? And so we turn to data for some type of handhold. And this project, they really right away realized that there was a need out there, that people needed information. And as much as the information was difficult and sometimes inconsistent, they realized that having a platform was incredibly important for just getting people through this. You know, if you go on Twitter, you see kind of like uh, Johns Hopkins tracker superfans and stands <laughs> all over there talking about every day they're checking it, every day they're looking yeah. at it. And it's really become a trusted source. And I think it's become trusted because they've been very open and were definitely open with me as I was working on the story about the difficulties that they face. In the early days of the pandemic, obviously, everybody needed any bit of information they could. And this was the first thing right. that they would do. I have it saved as a favorites tab on my on my browser because yeah. I would check it every day when I'd go in. And after that, I mean, a lot of times what the researchers are saying and, and in your story too, they said that getting lost in the numbers too is kind of the story that is being told of American life throughout the pandemic, kind of the inequities. They started seeing all the trends and how minority communities were being disproportionately affected by this. And this all started coming out once the data machine really started getting rolling. And they were able to tell another story when they started expanding it and they made the U.S. dashboard. They wanted to tell the story of the healthcare capacity, the demographics of each country, and then comparing county disease data to the state as a whole. And this is where the real picture started forming. I think all of us in the media had heard kind of anecdotally that, especially when the virus hit the United States, that communities of color were really suffering more than more affluent and whiter communities. And what this tracker did, and again, to their great credit at Johns Hopkins, they realized that this was a way 
to explore that. You know, is that true? And by giving you more context and other pieces of data, say, you know, if this certain neighborhood has these number of ICU beds access to versus another, you know, that really plays out along racial lines. And it became very, very clear that the story that was there in the data was really one of very deep-seated and generational inequality. And it was really interesting, obviously, because, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen kind of the explosion of protests and demonstrations about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. And for a moment, it kind of seemed that the coronavirus had been pushed off the front pages and people weren't thinking about it anymore. But really, if you looked at the data, and John Hopkins did a great job of doing this, they were the same story very much. And, and they were very, very entwined. And I think that that's important for people to kind of recognize and respond to. Well, I know we're all happy that the team there at Johns Hopkins University was able to get this coronavirus dashboard up and running. I suggest everybody go and read Kyle's piece on this because there's a lot of stuff we couldn't get to. And it's just a really interesting story about how this thing that got put together is, like you mentioned, the gold standard for the numbers that we all look for. Kyle Swenson, reporter at The Washington Post, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.